0: ezekiel chapter 47 or chapter 43 let me get back there amen i'm gonna read one verse and then we're gonna go to ezekiel chapter 47 amen let me shake this off okay a little nervous right now amen we're gonna be okay we're gonna get through this amen Amen. Chapter 47, verse 7. It says, The Lord said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne, and the place where I will rest my feet. I will live here forever among the people of Israel. They, among the people of Israel. Turn to chapter 47. Amen? Amen. So we see here that in this portion of Scripture that this is a dream of God. That his people, that people would be, would be with him in one mind in one accord and one spirit with him where they could be rejoicing and have a place in the power of his presence. And he would be wrapping all around them, wrapping around his people. It is a dream of God to have God's people in a place with him. However, like most of us, we are always, always in different levels in our walk with God. We always find ourselves in different levels. This morning, there are many of us here today. Some of us are all in different levels. Amen? Amen. So, as we see in Ezekiel 47, 1 through 2, it reads, it is, In my vision, the man brought me to a, to the, back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing to the east, Beneath the door. Beneath the door in the temple. Passing to the right of the altar and on the south side. The man brought me outside the wall to the north gate. And led me around to the east side of the entrance. I could see the water flowing out from the south side of the east gate. Amen. So we see that now as we read this portion of scripture. I don't know what's, I don't know what, what it means here. That what he's trying to say, but, but I do know this, but I do know this that it must have been important to him because, because he went through a lot of a lot of a lot of great lengths to explain what was happening, amen. What was happening? You see. Let me make sure I'm on the right thing. Oh, excuse me. Here we go, amen. What was happening? Like I said, I was a little confused and I'm not really sure what what he was trying to say. Water was coming out, but I do know this for sure. I do know that in my lifetime, that whenever I see water coming from some place that's not supposed to come, it's time to call a plumber. It's time to call a plumber, right? Come on now. It's time to call a plumber, amen? It's time to call Mr. Rooter. Out there, we don't have any rooters. amen? Amen. But it's time to call. God is giving us a picture of how his temple looks. And in and in a moment, he is going to give us a picture of how the water, a picture of how the water is going to come, is going to look as it flows out. Amen. So as we read verse 3, it says, it says. It says right here in verse 3, Measuring that as he went out, he took me along the stream about 1,750 feet. That's about five and a half football fields. Yeah, about five and a half football fields, so are there. Amen. And then he led me across the water and up to my ankles. He measured another 1,750 feet and led me again. And this time the water was up to my knees. And then he led me to another 150 feet and the water was up to my waist. Amen? And then he measured another 1,750 feet and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. He asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Amen? Amen. So we see that Ezekiel is about, is about to explain what God wants to show him and God's people in terms of relationship in his presence around them. Amen? I think when we all think about measuring, we can all relate. Amen? We can all relate. We all remember when we were small or when we were in school, we always measured something. When you came to school and they, you got your little packet, they had a little ruler in them, right? Some of you are work construction. You measure this and you measure that. Amen. So we all can relate to measuring. Measuring is something I believe, like I said, that we can all relate to. And sometimes I believe we measure ourselves to other people. We measure our upbringing to other people's upbringing. Amen. Sometimes we measure our status quo where others are at sometimes we measure our capacity to others sometimes we measure our education sometimes we measure ourselves to other people in 2 Corinthians 10:12 says we do not dare classify or compare ourselves with some who command themselves when they measure themselves by themselves with themselves they are not wise amen we shouldn't measure ourselves against each other because the Bible says that is not wise. Turn to your neighbor and tell, them, tell the next person, you ain't better than me and I ain't better than you. Amen. Amen. Yet sometimes we think we are. Don't we? So, oh, come on. You got Okay, let's do it. Sometimes we think we are. Amen. Amen. Just say amen because I asked you to say amen. 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 <laughs> Come on now. Okay. <laughs> don't tell me. Don't tell me. because Don't tell me there hasn't been a time when you thought, man, that person or this person. You know what I mean? I think we all at one time or another measured up and said, at least I'm not like that person. At least I'm not like that person. You see, the Bible says, That's not wise. We all at least at one time said, I didn't come from that background, therefore, I'm not of that status. The Bible says, that's not wise. You see? Because if someone measures all their accomplishments, all their achievements, all their education, their degrees, and all that they have done, and measure it before the Lord, and measure it to a dope fiend, or an alcoholic, or a homeless person, You are going to look exactly alike because God looks at the heart. God looks at our heart. He don't care where you come from what you've done. He looks at our heart. Amen? You see, that's what it all boils down to. As we look at Ezekiel 47, you see, the good example of measuring the depth of God or the deepness of God. And I want to talk to you about four levels. Like I said, I believe that we all can find ourselves in these four levels or we can all relate because we've all probably been through these four levels. Like I said, I don't care how long you've been in the Lord, I believe that we've all been through one of these levels or we're all at least in one of these levels. Amen? So the first level is ankle deep. Ankle deep. Ankle deep represents safety. This is a place where it's not hard to be in. It's a place ankle deep, in the ankle deep water. It's, an, it's important to understand that when you're in this place, ankle deep, you don't live with danger. You don't live with danger. You live with what some would call compromise, sort of. You see, this is where many Christians find themselves. In the non-dangerous water. It represents a place of avoiding. Avoiding issues. Avoiding things. It's a place where one says, at least I'm in the water. At least I'm in the water. At least I got my feet in the water. Amen? But you avoid God dealing with you. With dealing with your life. In other words, you avoid changing. You avoid changing. And when a Christian has come to a place where they become known as a puddle dweller. Amen. When you come to a place where you want to avoid change, you are known as a puddle dweller. Amen. It's a small place of water because it doesn't take much to be there. Amen. When one chooses to be a puddle dweller and live in the puddle life, avoiding now becomes a way of life. Amen? You no longer just avoid issues, but you begin to avoid people. You see, when you don't want to change, you don't want to hang out with people. You don't want to hang out with your leaders. You don't want to hang out with other people. You want to avoid. You always have an excuse why you can't come to this or why you can't do that. Amen? Amen. Come on now. Amen, because I know I've been there. Amen? You see, one starts to compromise in life as they splash around in the puddle. You see, they think they're doing good. They're happy. And the reason they're happy is because no one is challenging them to change. No one's challenging you. When you're hanging out in the puddle and you're hanging out at home, no one's challenging you to change. You kind of got used to that life. But it's becoming obvious that they're not changing anymore. Now it's becoming a bit confusing. It's confusing because it gives you a sense of being stable, secure when you're not changing. Amen? You see, puddle life causes a false sense of stability and a false security. Because you come to that place where you say, at least I'm in the water. At least I'm coming to church. At least I'm doing this, amen. Because in the butterfly, five, nothing is required. Because ankle deep feels pretty good. Amen? amen. Amen. Come on now, don't lose me right now. You see, when when you're in the ankle deep, you can just splash around. Everybody ever been to ankle deep? I remember the first time I ever got to see my kids, we went, I was living in Tracy, and in Tracy, there was a part right there where the railroad tracks were and everything, and and it would rain a lot, and they were big, big puddles, and I couldn't afford to go to a swimming pool, so I'd take my kids and we'd play in the mud puddles. (laughs) Amen? And we would just splash around. Amen? (laughs) The problem is, we don't belong in the puddle forever. You see, some people have got got used to being in the puddle. They think they're in the deep. They think they're in the deep. They even convince themselves that they are swimming. Amen. I used to tell them, let's go swimming. I tell my kids, and we would go to the little mud puddles, and they would be on the on the ground in the mud, pretending like they were swimming. Amen. <laughs> Some of these people that live in the puddle even go so far as to go buy themselves the little floaties that you put on your kids, amen? They go buy them little things and and they they float around. They even even sometimes go get a life jacket because they think they're in deep water. Come on. But they're in the puddle that's only ankle deep. You see, they become afraid to drown And that's how confused they are because they don't remember that no one can drown in a puddle. It's kind of hard to drown in a puddle. Amen? The problem with staying in this place is we start to lose our faith. Because you don't need faith to live in ankle deep water. The The matter of fact, risk taking becomes a thing of the past. You don't want to take no risks no more. You don't want to go out and try this anymore. You no longer want to take a risk. You no longer want to be a person of faith because you can just stay in the ankle deep water and get by. Amen? You see, Romans 1.17 says, the just shall live by faith. And if we are just and are going to live by faith, we can't stay in the puddle life. We realize that there is more God wants from us. There is more that God wants to teach us. Amen? At first, the experiences of of we were having are just the beginning of what God wants to give us. The experience that God wants you to take is just the beginning of what he wants to do in your life. That's why when we first get saved and we first come to God, the the goosebumps and the feelings and all the things that you see God is doing, they feel great. Because you were just lost. You were bound. Nothing was going good in your life. All of a sudden, everything is going good. It seems like you just pray and it just happens all of a sudden. Because God is trying to build your faith. God is trying to take you to another level. Amen? You see, most people stay in this place, the ankle deep. But the ankle deep was only designed for you to get your feet wet. It was only designed for you to feel the presence of God. It was only designed so that you could feel the power of God. It was only designed so that you would know that you're in the game. You see? And to allow God to stretch you to the next level. And to the next experience God didn't save us To be in the shallow He didn't save us to be in the shallow His plan was always for us to move forward You see When a person stays in the shallow too long They become shallow When you stay in the shallow too long They become shallow Turn to your neighbor and ask them Are you shallow? Come on now. Ask your neighbor. Don't get scared now. Are you shallow? Come on. Hey Amen. You see, I can talk like this because I'm going to be leaving in a couple of months. <laughs> Amen. Now, I know I ain't as big as I used to, but I can run a little faster now. So I ain't worried about it. Okay, come on now. You see, when a person becomes shallow, they don't even know they're shallow. In fact, they wake up one day and look around and find themselves surrounded by shallow people. That's the way it is. You know, you always look, they say, they say that you can tell where your heart is when they look at your checkbook. You can tell who you are by who you hang out with. Amen. Well, it's not that the pastors have all this great insight. All they got to do is look who you're hanging out with and they can tell you who you are. Come on. It's not not hard. Amen. Let's get this done. Amen. Because you got to remember, shallow breeds shallow. At one time, at one time you see people that were moving forward for God and they were growing, then all of a sudden, you got challenged in your life and you didn't like it. Amen. You got challenged. Someone told you, come on, I need you to join the worship team. I need you to do this, and I need you to do that. Amen. I remember avoiding Paul all the time because he wanted me to take vector. Amen. I ain't got no money. I'm a home director. You avoid things. You avoid the challenges. Amen. I'm just being honest here. I'm just saying it was right. I'm just being honest. Okay? Come on. And you ran back to the puddle. You see? But when you got to the puddle, you came there and you found all these people in your puddle splashing around with little floaties on. And they welcomed you back and they said, hey, where you been? We missed you. Welcome back to the puddle life. You see, puddle dwellers attract, attract puddle dwellers. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and ask him, are you a puddle dweller? Oh, come on now. Are you a puddle dweller? Come on now. Amen. Come on. When we get in the shallow, you see, when we get in the shallow, God always gives us just enough for us to want more. That's why the Bible says, taste. God says, taste and see if I'm not good. He said, just taste a little bit of me. It's like tasting ice cream, like a new flavor of ice cream. show mm, mm, is good. Oh, and then you just think about it all day. Oh, my goodness. Yo. You just think about it. Well, that's the same thing with God. God says, just taste me. Just give me a taste. Because we've been tasting all this ugly stuff all our life. We've been hanging out with all this dirty stuff all our life. We've been doing all these ugly things all of a sudden. And then all of a sudden, the freshness of God, he just says, just taste me. Just lick me for a minute and see if I'm not good. Amen. You see, when we, the Bible says that, that if we taste God, he will be good. Ankle deep was only designed to make us want more. That's all it was designed to do. It wasn't designed for us to hang out there. It was only designed for us to want more. Amen? Amen? Now let's go to the next one. The knee deep. The knee deep. In verse 4, it says right here. Let me get to verse 4 here. I got glasses, but I don't wear them. That's probably why I was in the men's home. <laughs> Amen. I didn't turn. And then he measured off another 1,700 feet and led me across. This time the water was knee deep. Amen? Knee deep. Now this is an entering place to be. This is a place where you can either move forward and get deeper in God. It is a transitional place. It is a place that if it's too tough, you have the right and you have the authority to go back to the puddle. That's what this place is. You can either continue to go forward or you can go back to the puddle. You see, it's a place, it's a place that as you move forward, you start to feel things shift. It's a place where you start to experience God in a new way. It's something new from the ankle deep water. It's a place that becomes hard because it requires change. Because you can't hang out in the knee deep and not change. This is a place where God says, if you don't want to change, then go back to the puddle. That's what God tells you. See, have you ever known someone that was moving forward, on fire for God, doing great things. Then they went through some changes in their life and they didn't want to change. And what I've learned in my life is that backsliders always go back to the same corner they came from. They always go back to the same muck they came from. They always go back to the same place they come from. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I I ain't never left God. I never went back to the world. I I never went back to using drugs. I never went back to robbing. I never went back to doing those things. But in my heart, in my heart, I told God, that's it, bro. I ain't doing this no more. This is enough. You know what I mean? Come on. But I never went back. And in those times that I told God that, my mind, it began to think like I used to think. I began to think like, man, you know, I could could come up pretty good right now. You know, I got all these men's money. I got a van. I I could come up pretty good. You see, but I noticed that backsliders always go back to the same corner, the same mess, the same one. Even if you were doing good and you were in the church and you were doing ministry, you were a leader. Now in the knee deep, God says, okay, now I want to change you and I want more from you. I want more from you. Many people, many Christians say, but God, I'm doing good. I'm happy. Look what I'm doing. I come to church every Sunday morning. I even come to church every now and then on a Thursday. Amen? I'm doing okay. You know, I read my Bible every now and then. You know what I mean? You see, in the knee deep, God says, that's not good enough. Where I want to take you, This this is a place where God brings change shaking in your life. Nadi deep deep is a place where God says, where God is in the shaking and how much do you really want to change so I can take you to the next level. You see, this is a place where deep decisions come from, where you say I don't really want to, I really want to change so God can take me to the next place or do you want to go back to the puddle? Do you want to say God I really want to change. I don't don't want to go back to who I was. God wants to take some of you to the next level. How many? How many of you are tired of being in the same old place where you were? How many of you are tired of of being exactly like you used to? How many of you want to go to the next level? How many of you want to go to the next level? Amen? Amen. And don't think just because, 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 because I'm a leader, because I'm a pastor, because I'm, I'm a missionary on the other side of the world that, that I got it all together. God still requires change from me. God still requires me to grow. God still requires for me to next level. Matter of fact, it's even harder for me because more eyes are on me. And so it's entirely that I got to do more for God. Amen? Amen? So tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor. It's time to change. Come on, tell them like you mean it. Time to change. Grab them. Say, it's time to change. No, no, I'm going to grab Oh, come on, sister Jelly, Don't do that to them. That's my pastor. Okay. Okay. Knee deep is a shifting place. One can't be in this place and stay the way they, used, the way they were. They were in the ankle deep. You can't go to the next level and have the same puddle faith. You see, some people like it here. If you stay too long, you'll want to go back to the puddle because the knee deep, there is change that is required. You see, what happens when you're in the knee deep is you begin to feel the current moving. You see, I remember when I was a little boy. I used to, well, a young boy. Let me break that down. A young boy. When I was a young boy, I ain't never been little. Amen. I, I tell you a secret. I weighed 11 pounds when I came out. Amen. Most of you guys went to the nursery. I went to McDonald's. <laughs> Come on. Amen. And I was just playing. <laughs> Amen. But, but when I was a younger boy and, and I used to go with my cousins because they were hunters and they, and they used, to, and used to be a boat, and used to be a hunter and used to hunt with bows and arrows. And um, during the off seasons, he used to go to the, the ditches and there was these fish. I can't remember the name of them, but they were there and he used to shoot them with this bow and had a string on them. And then because I was the younger cousin, he would make me run down the banks into the ditch and grab the fish. Well, he stayed up there. And so, well, I would go there, the ditches were knee deep. And when I crossed in there and I had to go over to where the fish was, you could feel the current pulling me or moving me. And it was hard to walk. And it meant like man, it was like, yo. Oh. Knee deep begins to, to feel different. It brings different battles. It brings different trials. It brings different attacks. Knee deep is where you take a different posture. You begin to have a different experience with God. You're in the knee deep. You start to experience things you never experienced before. You see, when you're in the knee deep, you begin to trust God more. You begin to believe in God more. You begin to try God more. You see, you start to experience things that, aren't, that weren't normal in your everyday life. Things will start to tug at you. You mean, you see, it's things like you used to do. Like when I was in the home and I started getting into God and I started getting to the knee-deep level and, and things started happening. I remember I used to go do church crew and different things started to tug in my heart because, you know, people forget stuff in the church. Some good stuff, too. You know, I'm not, nice stuff, nice Bibles, nice pads, nice pens. You know, good stuff. And you found it, you know nobody was there, it was mine. But it began, God began to tug at me. That's not yours. This is my house, These are, this is your family. That belongs to somebody. You know, and different things began to tug at my heart and as I kept going, I couldn't do things. You know, I have a, I have, I'm kinda weird like this here. I don't know if it's true. I don't, I, I'm not even say it's biblical. But sometimes I do things. Sometimes I think things. And I'm like, man. And then I get scared. I'm like, God's going to jack me for this one. You know? And, and, and I, I'm serious. I get scared. You know, Bible says fear the Lord. And so I wondered, you know, I kind of got, you know, tried to go a little deep. What does he mean? And I kept looking it up. And the word fear in the Bible means fear. <laughs> it means fear. It means fear. And so I was like, man. You know, and, but I know that God loves me and I know, understand His grace and His mercy, but that's what keeps me in line because I get scared, you know, because I don't want to disappoint God. I don't want to go back. That's one thing I don't want to do. I don't ever, I don't even want to get close to the edge, you know. I don't want to be none of who I was. I don't even want to be considered an animal. I don't even want to, I don't care if it's a good animal. You know what I mean? Amen. Amen. You see, this is a place where where things start to change. Amen. This is a place where where you have to take control of your decisions. You mean this is a place where where you have to know that that man, I shouldn't be talking to this girl, I shouldn't be talking to this dude. We shouldn't be where we're at by ourselves. You know, I shouldn't be looking at this picture. Of, I definitely shouldn't be looking at this movie. Amen? Those are the decisions we have to make. The next move The, the next move we make is when we think we think change, when we, when we take charge of our movement, and it's what's called creating momentum. It is, it is the created movement. <clears throat> Let me make sure I'm on the right page here. All right. Come on. Create me. you towards, you, wait a minute, wait a minute, come on, stay with me now, creative movement, Created movement, mo- movement, you step towards that, that new level God wants you to achieve, if you're going to move forward, moving forward is a choice, so you have a choice, today that's the great thing about being free in Christ, is now I got a choice. Now I can do what I want to do. I remember when I didn't have a choice. I remember when I woke up in the morning and I didn't have a choice to get up and go to the the refrigerator and get something to drink. I didn't have a choice to even go to the bathroom. I had to do what I had to do. I had to stick a needle in my arm before I could do anything else. I didn't have a choice. When I, I didn't have a choice that I wanted to go to a birthday party or go to here because that's where I wanted to go. I didn't have a choice because my addiction says, no, feed me. Remember Seymour? <laughs> feed me. So I had to go rob and steal to do what I do. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You didn't have a choice. Some of us wanted to take care of our kids, but we didn't have a choice because we were bound. But now... We're in this place, and God is saying, I'm giving you a choice. Make the right choice. Amen? Make the right choice. Come on. You see, sometimes we blame everybody else. Why? You're not at the next level. We always want to blame people. Amen? I remember blaming people because we call that person because we blame people. We say, we're not at the level we are because that person doesn't like me. Because that person, he's a leader. He has influence. A pastor likes him more than me. You see? Or it's because that person is doing this or that person is doing that. But the truth is that we don't have no one to blame because it's a choice. Even if it were true and that person were doing that, remember one thing. The Bible says that God raises up who God wants to. And God sits down who God wants to sit down. So it don't matter who this person says or what that person says. If God wants to raise you up, He's going to raise you up. You see, just like Pastor Stefan said, I didn't know it. I was sitting over here cleaning the church, and all of a sudden these people were saying that, yes, his name is Will. He's the best. I didn't know I was the best. I didn't think of myself as the best. I just thought I was a home director over here in Hayward. Just hanging out, doing my thing. But in the eyes of God, I was the best. Amen? I was the best. And see, once you understand that God says that we are his masterpiece, You and I are his masterpiece. A masterpiece is one of a kind. There's not a whole bunch of the same kind of masterpieces. You are God's masterpiece. He made you individually for a specific purpose, for a specific reason, to do a specific thing. And once you get that in your mind, sky's the limit. Come on. South Africa's a big place. Holland's a big place. Uh, Panama's a big place. Russia's a big place. The world is a big place. Come on. Amen? Amen? All right. Let's get this done. All right, I'm right on schedule. <laughs> Amen. You see? But many times you want to say it's because of this or because of that, that I'm stuck here. And I want to tell you right now, you're stuck where you're at because you want to be stuck where you. I know that. You mean? Because you, I know. I'm from this church. I was raised in this church. This is the only church I know besides South Africa Church. This is the only church I know. I don't know no other church. I ain't never been in no other church. The only other church I was in was a Catholic church, and I used to steal the offerings. Amen? But... but This is the only church I know. So this is the only, this is where I met God. This is where God saved me. This is where God developed me. This is where I learned about the things of God. And so I know, I know my pastor. I know where he comes from. I know who he is. I know Sister Chella. And I know that that there are opportunities upon opportunities upon opportunities. Because you just seen right here, he had people up here that were leaders over groups. One lady, she's been here a month. And she was a leader. So there's opportunities all over the place. So there's no reason to say, I can't because of this, or I can't because of that. All you got to do is say, use me, here I am. Amen? Come on. You see, sky's the limit. Let God use you to the fullest capacity. It's a choice. It's a choice to say, God, use me. It's a choice. I used to pray. This would be my prayers in the men's home. God, use me. Send me wherever you want to send me. Take me wherever you want to take me. I remember before me and Sister Dana were married, she was in the women's home and I was in the men's home and we used to get our little visits every now and then. And I used to tell her, i say, hey, babe, you know, if God sends me to the other side of the world and you don't go with me, peace. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, that's just the way it was. We weren't married yet. So... But I knew God wasn't going to send her without me, or me without her. Amen? So know that it's a choice. All you got to do is allow God to use you. Don't be scared. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, how much education you got. All of that matters. You know, I, I, the highest I've been in high school is in ninth grade. Amen? I said, my biggest, my, besides my Bible, the best book I got is a dictionary. Amen? So turn to your neighbor and say, it's a choice. Say, it's a choice. You see, pump people want to stay angry. They say like, no one likes me. They always say that famous word like, that's not the way it used to be. Amen. That's not how we used to do things. Amen. That's not the way it used to be. No one likes me. You see, everyone here. Those of you who, who say I'm not being used or that you want to be used, all they're waiting for is for you to come and say, Use me. That's all there's waiting for. That's all God is coming to say, use me. Use me. So if you're sitting at home crying in your tea or crying in your cereal because no one's using you, it's a choice. You see? The waste deep place is a place where you're out of control. How many spouses have tried to change their spouse. Huh? How many spouses have tried to change their spouse? Come on, say amen. Oh, you didn't say that like you were scared. Some of you, that's all right. That's all right. All right. Amen. How many husbands have tried to change their wives? How many wives have tried to change their husbands? But very quickly we find it don't work. It don't work. I don't care. My wife still trying to change me. It don't work. You know, I tell her, you know, pretty soon you don't watch out. We in South Africa, how you carrying them baskets on your head? <laughs> tell Benjamin. In Africa, I know, I know, I know, I know we're partners and we all that, but in Africa, the man walks in the front and the woman walks behind. Doesn't mean they ain't equal. I'm just saying. No, not really. Babe, I love you. Amen. Amen. You see, at the waist deep is where God wants to be in control of your life. God wants to be in control of your life. It's a place that, that I know if I go forward, it's going to get dangerous. It's a place where, where you know is God wants to be with you. It's a place of reality based on your relationship with God. Where you say, I'm going to stay in the waste deep or not. It is a place you say, I know it's dangerous if I stay here. I know I have to have a relationship enough with God that I know that I can be here. This is a place where you have to let things go and hold on to your faith. This is a place of trusting. It's a trusting place. It's a hard place because God wants you to let go. You see, let go and let him be in control. You see, we let God say, I'm really, I really want to control your life. You see, many of us don't want to let God control every aspect of our life. We only want to give him a little bit of our life. We only want to let him have this part of our life. We don't want to give him all of our life. This is a place where you say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with my life. With my spouse, with my dreams, with my children. I'm going to trust you with my money. I'm going to trust you with my calling. I'm going to trust you where I'm at. Even when people are coming against me. I'm going to trust you with my feelings. Amen? I'm going to let go and trust God. This is a place where we let God have control. And when we let go, we began to experience great things from God. You began to see God use you in ways you only dreamed of. You see, when I let God take control of my life, God began to use me. God began to use my life because I began to give God control of my life. Because I begin to pray, God, I know that, that I have no purpose without you. I have no reason to get up in the morning without you. It's only because of you that I can walk. It's only because of you that I can talk. It's only because of you that I wake up in the morning. So you have control of my life. Because without you, I have no life. Yeah. And when you begin to tell God that, then God begins to use you. He begins to do things that you only dreamed of. You know, I used to dream... Of sitting in meetings with Pastor Sonny, I used to sit. I mean, man, now I've been in meetings. Now I dream I didn't have to be in meetings with Pastor Sonny. Pastor <laughs> Sonny don't play; he'll break you off, man. In front of everybody, he don't care. You leave out of there wondering if you saved. You see, but I used to dream about being a people, and I look around, and sometimes I sit in meetings with men that, that have been saved for 25, 20 years, 15 years, 10 years, and there I am sitting with them, and they're asking me, what do you think, Will? And I give them my opinion. They say, okay, yeah, yeah, that'll work. See, things that I, man, I thought I would never do that. I thought I was destined to hang out in Hayward a 621 Schaefer. I said, a man, that's, I had settled for 621 Schaefer. I had settled for that. But then when I began to trust God, when I began to believe him, then he began to take me to places I only dreamed of. Amen? Amen. Come on now, give God a big hand for that. You see? This is where you let go and let God have control. And when we let God, we begin to experience the things, things for God you begin to see and using you in ways that, that people begin to look at you and wonder, man, I remember him. I remember him. You know, there's some of you guys here today that, that I look up to. You know, I, I, you guys are guys like my, my big brother. I, I know I'm a little young, you know. I know I'm a little young. I'm not, I'm not as old as I, you think I am but there's some of you guys that are younger and I've always watched you from afar and I've gleamed off you and I've watched you and you know, and I, I, man, I respect you guys and it's because of that I believe that that's where I'm at today. You see, this is a place where God begins to do greater things in your life. If you just learn to let go and trust God, God will begin to do things that'll blow your mind. This is a place the spectacular takes place. You let go and you begin to see revival in your ministry. You begin to see revival in your family. This is a place where you begin to pray. And you see your brother saved. You see your wife saved. You see your husband saved. You see that God begins to answer those prayers of people getting saved that you thought were never going to get saved because you begin to trust God. You see, I I got a daughter. She's still a prostitute. She's still walking out there in them streets. She's still doing those things. And I'm trusting God. I ain't gave up. I know she's going to come to God. I know she's going to get saved. I know great things are going to happen in her life. Amen. You see, this is where these things start to happen. You see, in the waist deep is about faith. It's about finding God. This is where where your prayer life gets deeper. It's a place where you encounter God with a deeper sense. It's a place where you experience God deeper. In this place, sometimes you experience the depth of God through crises. Amen? Sometimes you you find it just being in God's presence. You see, in the ankle deep... And the ankle deep, and in the, and the ankle deep, and in the knee deep, God moves. And to a, to a deeper place, let me get this right, let me read this right. right. God is in these places. He's in the ankle deep, and He's in the knee deep. God moves, but He wants to move us to a deeper place. You see... This is a place, this is also a place where we still have the ability to shift back and forth. You still have a choice at this point. It's a place where you can say, I want to go to the next level knowing if I go a little bit deeper, it's gonna get dangerous. See, dangerous place is where God begins to manifest his power more and more. You see, Pastor Sonny, he has dangerous faith. Pastor Sonny has the faith to believe for all of South Africa, for the continent of Africa, for Panama, for, Egypt, for for England, for Holland, for the world. What do you have faith for? See, it's hard sometimes to have faith for big things because we're scared. What are we going to do if it happens? Huh? Do you? Sometimes we want to, we sometimes, I I, I think we we don't want to have faith for certain things because if it happens, how's it going to affect your life? You understand? You know, I, I had to come to that conclusion that I had to wonder, man, if my daughter gets saved, what's going to happen with her? Who's going to take care of her? Who's going to teach her? Who's going to disciple her? Who's going to love her? Who's going to do all these things for her? So ask yourself, is there family members that aren't getting saved because you just don't have enough faith for them maybe? Maybe maybe you're saying, man, if they get faith, what's going to happen to them? They're just going to send them to the home? Amen? Amen. Come on. Pastor Sonny, he has that deep, dangerous faith. Amen? So turn to your neighbor and say, do you have dangerous faith? Do you have the faith to leave your home? Do you have the faith to leave your family? Do you have the faith to come and say, Pastor, Sister Chela, send me. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Wherever you want to send me, whatever you want to do with me, here I am. If it means quit my job, I quit my job. I I quit. I don't even give them a two-week notice. Don't worry about it. I ain't going back to work anyway. Here I am. Use me. That's dangerous faith. You see, I believe God wants to get some of you to a place of dangerous faith. I believe that God wants to send some of you to the other side of the world. I believe that. I believe that. I I, I notice that sometimes when we do the altar call, who feels called to go to the other side of the world? You know? And I remember with Pastor Darrell. I always think of Pastor Darrell when I hear stuff like that. Pastor Daryl said, I know I'm going to the Philippines. Let me go get my passport. Let me go get my this and let me go get my that. Here's my ticket and here's my passport. I'm ready to go because I know that I've been called. You see, sometimes we just want to come to the altar and see that everybody says I'm called. Faith without works is dead. Come on. Faith without works is dead amen it's a place where God begins to deal with areas in our lives we have been able we have not we have been avoiding now it's just you and God and now he is in control God says now I want to deal with you God says not all your skills not all your charm not all your ability put all that over there because now I just want to deal with you and your heart your motives I want to deal with your reasoning. I want to deal with your mistakes. I want to deal with your failures. I want to deal with your weakness. God says I want to deal with all the things you've avoided me of dealing with before. God wants to deal with those things when we get in the waste deep. Come on. Because I can't take you to the next level bringing all your weaknesses with you and all your mistakes unacknowledged you see I can't take you to the next level with all your bad habits with all your criticalness God says I can't take you to the next level with all these things this is a place that you are going to be convinced that someone has done you wrong when you become mad at them And hurt with them. You're sad and you're hurt and you don't want to play anymore. And you take, you say, give me my ball and give me my toy. I'm gonna go home. I don't want to play anymore. Amen. You say I'm hurt and you hurt me. You say I'm going to stop my life now. I'm going to stop the greatness of God working in me and through my life. Because I'm hurt at what you've done to me. Amen. You see, this is a this is this makes this is a place where you say I don't want to do what God wants to make me do because you make me feel bad. This is where the devil comes and starts to take advantage of the posture you created. He sees you standing in the waist deep and he sees you shifting And he sees things moving, your emotion. He says, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put thoughts in their head. Plant the seed. Make them think it's because you, it's because you made me mess up that I'm going to go backwards. You see? But I want to let you know something today. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because I've been hurt many times. I've been hurt by people in my life that that were in the church that invested years upon years in my life and they hurt me. And they hurt me. And I've seen them hurt me. But I didn't allow that to stop me from going forward with God. You see, nobody has the power to cause you as a man and a woman of God to say you can change the course of my life by the way you make me feel. No one has that power. Don't give anyone that power to say, I know what God has called me to do. I know what God wants me to do. But because you made me mad, because you hurt me, I'm not going to do it anymore. You should be able to say, I'm going to stand firm with God. You see, it's hard at this level because everything around you is moving. But the firmness you find It's not physical, it's spiritual. Amen? This is where you tell God, I'm going to trust you, God. I don't care what they said about me. I'm not going to allow no demon in hell because I know that you are my rock. I know that you are my salvation. I know that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I know that you said you would never leave me nor forsake me. And I know that as long as I trust you, I can go forward in God. Amen? Amen. Nobody, nobody should be able to change the course and the direction God has called you to go in. No one. Don't let anyone, I don't care who they are, where they are, I don't care how good she twitch, and I don't care how good he look. Don't let nobody change the course of your life. I don't care how much they pay you, I don't care what they do. Don't let anybody stop the things that God wants to do in your life. Amen? I know. I know because I'm not supposed to be here. I know where I'm supposed to be. I know where I'm supposed to be. You know, one man that, and don't get big hit, one man that, 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 that really inspired me when, 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 when he was going through things and I watched him, I watched him fight. I watched him struggle. I watched his wife stand by his side. You know, Brother Eric, Sir Erica, they fought. I was sitting there in the courthouse and I watched him and I watched him. I watched him take him to jail. I watched him do him. And then I watched him keep fighting and I watched him keep going and I watched him keep going because I seen that he wasn't going to allow anything to change the course of what God was going to do in his life. And now I see him today. I see him in South Gardens. I see him in, in Lord Tennyson Apartments. I see him doing all these great things for God because he didn't allow the things of the enemy to stop him from doing what God wanted him to do. You see people, we got people all in this church. We got Sister Gina. We got Brother Greg. We got Pastor Daryl. We got all these people in this church. We got some of you. That I don't even I forgot your name because I got bad memory. But I see some of you. You fought through it, Amen. I seen Brother Gilbert coming to the men's home, and he said, "Hey, he said this is what God called me to do. This is what God called me to do." And I seen, I seen his whole life just fall apart, but he kept going. He kept going. He kept moving forward. He kept doing what he was supposed to do. And then today, God gave him a whole new life. Amen. Amen. Those are people that they put before us. That you see God. They trusted God. They've allowed God to work in their lives. Amen. Amen. The last one. The last one. The fifth one. Amen. This is the fifth one. Okay. As we can the piano come. Amen. The fifth one says. Verse 5, then he measured another 1,750 feet, and there was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim, but it was too deep to walk through. Amen? You see, number 5, this is a place that was unmeasurable. The The ankle deep, we can measure. The knee deep, you can measure. The waist deep, you can measure. But now God is saying this is deep. This is deep. This is too deep to measure, too vast that no one could even swim across. You see, this is a place. This is a place where God says, God says, I don't want you to go to the other side. Because when we begin to think about it logically, when you come to a river, when you come to one side of the river, logically you think that I'm supposed to go to the other side of the river. But God says, no. I don't want you to go to the other side of the river. I just want to carry you out to the middle of the river where it's deep, where you can't touch the bottom. Have you ever been in a pool where you can't touch the bottom? You ever been in a pool where you, where you can't reach the bottom? You know, I went to Durban. And in Durban, they have these free swimming pools in the summertime. You're all over, you could just go in and free swimming pool, big giant swimming pool, just jump in free. Well, I jumped in the pool on the deep side. And you know how you jump in the pool and you jump in, and you, you cause you're kinda big, you're heavy, you know, you're like a rock, you, you go to the bottom. Well, I jumped in and I was waiting and I was dropping and I was waiting and I was dropping, but no bottom was coming, no bottom was coming. And I was going and I was going and I was running out of air. And I gotta I got go back to the top and I'm going back up to the top and I'm running out of air and I'm thinking like God I'm going to die in a swimming pool on the other side of the world because I didn't have any control and I had to trust God and this is what God is saying he says I don't want you to go to the other side because sometimes that's what we want to do we want to go to the other side we want to we we swim through the presence of God And we want to get to the other side so people can say, hey, look, I got to the other side. Look what I done. But that's not what God wants us to do. You see, we went through all these other levels. We went through the ankle deep. And then we went through the knee deep. And then when we went through the waist deep, all so that he could get you ready for this point where you swim in the presence of God. That's what he wants for us to do. He wants us to swim in his presence. He doesn't want us to go through his presence. He wants us to trust him with everything that we got. He wants us just to swim there, just to bask in his presence because he loves us. And he wants you to say, don't worry about it. I got you. Don't worry about it if you don't make it to the bottom. I got you. But sometimes when we don't feel the bottom and the currents are moving and you don't know where you're gonna go, you get scared you get nervous when i was in cape town i remember i was supposed to be watching these little kids at the beach and they disappeared on me and i was trying to find them you know just trying to find a a colored boy in cape town is like trying to find a mexican boy in haywood amen so I was looking, and I was like, man, and I seen two way out there. And I said, okay, that's them. And I started swimming out there. But as I started swimming, the current started taking me farther and farther and farther. And then I could see my wife and the other people that were there. They were sitting over there laughing and having a good time. And I was like, man, I was out there. And the water just kept taking me more. And it kept taking me more. And I got scared I got scared because I was like man I'm, I ain't a good swimmer I, I ain't got all that but I began to trust God I would be saying God I, I know you didn't bring me way out here to Cape Town to die in the ocean you know God didn't take you through all those levels for you not to make it those levels were there to prepare you for this time it was there so that you could trust God It was there so that you can make it. Men's home. God's not going to take you through the home so that you can come and sit at the back of the church and do nothing. God came because he brought you here because he wants you to do great and mighty things for his honor and his glory. You see, people, God didn't bring us through all the things we came through. God didn't bring this church from where we were to the things we were so that we could fail. God has great and mighty things for us. God is going to do great things. Some of us, I know there's a hard times. We went through some hard times. I I didn't know Pastor Steve, but we went through some hard times with Pastor Josie. We went through some hard times and then we came. You see, God knew what he was going to do all the time. He was preparing us. He was preparing us for this time. Some of us remember those times. You went through the ankle deep times and then you went through the knee deep time and now we're here and you're swimming in the deep and now God is saying trust me trust me trust me I'm going to take you to somewhere I'm going to do something great in your life trust me that's what God wants to do today he wants you to trust him he wants you to trust him like Matt said just trust me trust him what he called you to do He didn't lie to you. He didn't lie to you. He has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. But it ain't about how much money you make. It ain't about how big of a car you got. It's about trusting God. It's about trusting God. I'm out there sometimes, and man, I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes it gets hard. Sometimes your money gets funny, funny, funny. You know what I mean? It gets so funny, you do not even laugh anymore. You're like, man. What's going to happen? Sometimes you call people and they don't answer their phone. Sometimes you text them and they don't answer their text. You're out there by yourself and there's no one to trust but God. My wife can't even help me. Sometimes I'm going through things and she says, well, I don't know what to do. (laughs) I didn't think so. And I got to trust God. You got to trust God today. So this morning, I, I don't know this message ministered to you. If it ministered to you, I open these altars and I ask you to come and allow God to do something great in your life this morning. Allow God to come in and and alter those things in your life this morning. These altars are open for you this morning. Come on. There is power